You need to have something. I mean, people need badly need help with this pandemic. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for checking in with us. It's Work Shift Live with James B. Huntington. Thank you so much, James. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Jason. And that's going to do it for the news this evening. We are going to get into Let's Talk Vets coming right up. Do want to let you know the support for this hour came from Van Gorder's Furniture featuring Lodge and Adirondack Styles, as well as Rustic Collections, Lake Wall and Paw Pack, Downtown Holmesdale, Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Some Christmas specials coming up at 8 o'clock. We got the replay of the Berryville tree lighting and then a very crooner Christmas. But coming up next, it is time for Let's Talk Vets. Support comes from Wayne Memorial Hospital, a certified primary stroke center and level 4 trauma center. Wayne Memorial also opened a cardiac cath lab in 2016 and celebrates its centennial this year. WMH.org. Support for WJFF Radio Catskill comes from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com, and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Welcome once again to Let's Talk Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Our mission is to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest area veterans, active service members, and their families. Well, tomorrow night is Christmas Eve. The past year has presented many new challenges, and 2021 will prove to be just as challenging. Americans are worried this evening about the pandemic, their jobs, their loved ones around the world, and the list goes on and on. So we're going to try to keep it light this evening with a mix of music and features we hope will help you reflect on the blessings that we have simply by being born in the United States of America. Countless generations of men and women have answered the call to duty, leave their homes and families, and go into harm's way at some far-off place to defend our freedom. Since I've been producing this program, we've heard many of our area vets discuss their experiences and how it affected them, their friends, and their loved ones. And no matter how benign your military service is, no one returns to the world the same as when they were drafted, enlisted, or deployed. For those directly involved in armed conflict, the physical scars may fade, but the psychological injuries are always right there, just under the surface, waiting for the right moment to emerge. So let's take a moment to thank our vets, active service members, and let's not forget our first responders who have all put their lives on hold to serve and protect the United States and its citizens. I'm just trying to be a father, raise a daughter and a son, be a lover to their mother, everything to everyone. Up and down, bright and early, I'm all business in my suit. Yeah, I'm dressed up for success, from my head down to my boots. I don't do it for the money, there's bills that I can't pay. I don't do it for the glory, I just do it anyway. Providing for our futures, my responsibility. Yeah, I'm real good under pressure, being all that I can be. And I can't call in sick on Mondays when the weekend's been too strong. 
I just work straight through the holidays, sometimes all night long. You can bet that I stand ready when the wolf growls at the door. Hey, I'm solid. Hey, I'm steady. Hey, I'm true down to the core. And I will always do my duty, hey, no matter what the price. I've counted up the cost. I know the sacrifice. Oh, and I don't wanna die for you. But if dying's asked to me, I'll bear that cross with honor. 'Cause freedom don't come free. I'm an American soldier, an American. Beside my brothers and my sisters, I will proudly take a stand. When liberty's in jeopardy, I will. You know, our co-founders understood more than they realized when they wrote our Constitution. Many of our politicians often refer to "quote our democracy" unquote, especially when it sounds good for their narrative. Well, the U.S. Constitution is also a popular tagline used to leverage their arguments. Truth is, most of these same people are not the staunch defenders of a founding framework they would have you believe. And most of them, I assure you, are not fit to tie the bootlaces of a new recruit. Barack Obama reminded us, elections have consequences. Well, I'm reminding you that words have meanings. The U.S. is not a democracy; it is a republic, and was specifically designed that way for good reason. Republics and democracies both provide a political system in which citizens are represented. By elected officials who are sworn to protect their interests. However, in a pure democracy, laws are made directly by the voting majority, leaving the rights of the minority largely unprotected. It's what James Madison called the tyranny of the majority. In a republic, on the other hand, laws are made by representatives chosen by the people, and must comply with the Constitution that specifically protects the rights of the minority from the will of the majority. Unfortunately, we're seeing too many examples of politicians using the judiciary to change laws as opposed to seeking constitutional amendments, again to benefit their narrative and their objectives. Well, without getting any deeper into the weeds, we all need to pay close attention. And when we hear our so-called political leaders extolling the risks of our democracy, or my favorite quote, "No one is above the law," unquote. Unless, of course, it's me, my party, and my agenda. 
Folks, we are truly at a tipping point. As is our custom, the fourth Wednesday of each month, Dawn Shaw, director of the VA Hudson Valley Healthcare System, joins us to tell us what's new at the VA today. This is Dawn Shaw from VA Hudson Valley, and I'm very happy to give you some updates on what's going on here at VA Hudson Valley uh, in the month of December. First, I wanted to share with you some great results that we continue to get from our survey that we send out to our veterans about the experience they have at the VA. And this is an outpatient survey that uh, VA has leveraged nationwide to get real-time information from our veterans about their experience at their appointments. And we send this survey out via email to a select random number of veterans after they've had an appointment at the VA. I'm very pleased to share with you that the numbers from our survey for the month of November show that we had a trust score of 91.5%. And in response to the question of whether our veterans feel respected and comfortable, we had a score of 93.6%. So we continue to strive to deliver top quality care to our veterans, and we're very happy to see that they are pleased with the services they are getting. Now I want to move on and tell you a little bit about what's going on here as related to COVID-19. As many of you are aware, throughout the Mid-Hudson Valley, we continue to see an increase in the number of positive cases in our communities, and the VA is no exception. Uh, We have continued to see increases in our number of positive cases at the VA and work closely with our veterans in conjunction with our telehealth program and our primary care program. We work closely in monitoring and following up with our veterans. But the best thing we can all do is to continue to do our best to wear face coverings, distance from one another by a minimum of six feet, and wash our hands. That is something that will help all of us to prevent infection and the risk of transmission to others. We're tightening up our procedures here to reduce risk. We continue to stagger our outpatient appointments, uh, uh, limit the use of our waiting rooms, and provide um, staggered appointment times and providers in all the different areas so that we minimize the number of people that are in contact with one another. So we continue to provide our uh, various outpatient services and, of course, our inpatient services and our urgent care services while keeping everybody as safe as possible. But there are there is exciting news on the horizon. The COVID-19 vaccines, as you are aware, the first one was approved by the FDA and uh, they're working towards the second one. So VA is working very closely with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to develop a phase. This is a randomized weekly test of WJFF's emergency alert system. This is only a test. Team vaccine to all healthcare workers and veterans who choose to be vaccinated. Even though after getting the COVID-19 vaccine, it is important that we maintain source control, and that's to prevent spread. We want to continue to use our face coverings, uh, personal protective equipment, and physical distancing, distancing, which will still be needed. So the VA is ready to rapidly deploy vaccine when it is received, focusing on the highest risk groups, which will be offered the vaccine first, And this is based on criteria from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, who are advising the CDC. And those requirements and risk stratification is based on several factors. That includes the risk of acquiring infection, the risk of transmitting disease, the risk of severe illness and death, and the risk of harm to society. We will offer COVID-19 vaccine to the highest risk healthcare personnel first. And the reason for that is so that we can decrease any possible transmission to our veterans and other employees, help keep VA healthcare functioning, and promote a stronger and healthier workforce. And we will also focus on high risk veterans. 
they will be provided a vaccine as it becomes available, and it will be based on risk level. Older veterans first, and then also those with comorbid or high-risk conditions. And more than 50% of our veterans are age 65 and older. Okay, so what are we doing to prepare for this vaccine? So we are conducting planning exercises to address how to coordinate how we order it, we store it, we handle it, how we reach out to our highest risk veterans first based on the number of doses that we receive. We will have lots of ongoing communication and outreach as well as scheduling for our high-risk groups. And then, of course, we'll be ready to administer the vaccine uh, once it's available to us. We're conducting listening sessions and interviews to understand veteran interest and the best way to reach different demographic groups regarding the vaccine. And, of course, in all that we're doing, we are focusing on safety of all our veterans and our employees. We'll be tracking and monitoring adverse reactions to ensure safety and promote continued safe use with the existing vaccines. So there's still information we need to learn due to the variety of COVID-19 vaccines that are in development. There are questions that we cannot answer yet until uh, FDA authorizes those specific vaccines. So these uh, questions include which which COVID-19 vaccines will be offered and when, what types of side effects are most common, is the vaccine more effective for some people than others, and when will there be enough vaccine for everyone who wants it. We are very excited and looking forward to the next several weeks as the rollout um, continues. In addition to that, I just wanted to give you a very uh, exciting uh, update on a change here at our Castle Point campus, the VA Hudson Valley. This past Tuesday, December 15th, we opened our new outpatient entrance and area adjacent to urgent care here at the Castle Point campus. So this is a main entrance to the facility that has been under construction for some time. And we are very pleased to announce that it is now open and we are serving our veterans from this new space. It really allows for a nice flow uh, from our veterans coming in from the parking lot into the facility and then over to their um, different areas that they may need to receive services. It's immediately adjacent to our urgent care area, so it really helps in the care that we provide to veterans seeking urgent care. It also allows for a nice flow into our outpatient clinics. So that just opened this week and it's a really great design and great space that will help us better serve our veterans. And then of course we did um, last month open our brand new outpatient area at Montrose as well. And that has been working well over this last month and really helping to enhance the services and the flow of our our main outpatient building at the Montrose campus. So we are continue to work hard here at Hudson Valley to serve our veterans. Just want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you to our veterans. Thank you, Doug, um, for all that you do for our veterans. And thank you for the opportunity to be on your show and share some of the great things happening here at VA Hudson Valley. You're welcome. Thank you, Don Shaw, director of the Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System. time away December for a soldier's heavy heart So many wonder as you try to say How do you make it through the holiday I'll tell you from a soldier's point of view 
We see the Christmas star, but from afar Hear the jingle bells, just not as well Always pray for silent nights Cause we see different Christmas lights We'll say a Christmas prayer, wish we were there Hang the mistletoe, but miss you so Hope to God we're not here long This is a soldier's Christmas song Our job is harder at this time of year The Christmas spirit wraps around our fear Yet there's a knowing that we stand for something more We see the Christmas star but from afar Hear the jingle bells just not as well Always pray for silent nights Cause we see different Christmas lights We'll say a Christmas prayer, wish we were there Hang the mistletoe, but miss you so Hope to God we're not here long This is a soldier's Christmas song Our simple manger scene is caught between all that we saw from shock and awe our plastic baby jesus cries for us and from our eagle's wings we find three kings and angels and our desert land we thank you for the love you send our the Christmas star but from afar hear the jingle bells just not as well always pray for silent nights cause we see different Christmas lights we'll say a Christmas prayer wish we were there hang the mistletoe but miss you so hope to God we're not here alone a soldier's Christmas song and hope to God we're not here alone this is a soldier's Christmas song a soldier's Christmas This is a soldier's Christmas song A soldier's Christmas song This is a soldier's Christmas song You're listening to Let's Talk Vets, and I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for stopping by. One of the most critical concerns of our military leaders is morale. Well, the USO was founded in 1941 for just that purpose. And one of the most effective commanders in the battle for morale was, of course, Bob Hope. Here's a little composite of USO outtakes and comments that might sound familiar. Bob Hope was not only a great comedian, he also was a great hero. What he did for this country in times of crisis will always be remembered. I just want you boys to see what you're fighting for, that's all. I was on radio at NBC, and the producer said, they want you at March Field next year. I said, what's March Field? He said, that's an Air Force base in Riverside. I said, well, what do we do there? You know, there's no war or anything. He said, well, they want you down there, the great audience. 
There you are, Cloney. You're down on your knees with 12 suitcases on your back. What are you going to do now? Well, no sense wasting a position like this. Get out the dice. Well, the audience was so great. I said, wait a minute. How long has this been going on? <laughs> At Christmas time, war started. Then it became dramatic. We went five straight years all around the world just doing troops. Doing troop shows. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Well, here I am in London. But here we are on the USS Boxes. Here I am in Alaska. Colorado Springs. Guam. Tokyo. Here we are in Inserlik, Turkey. Inserlik, that's a Turkish word meaning don't knock it. At least Vietnam. Uban. Takli. Karat. Achukuchi. Utapad. Van Rang Dang Dang. Chung Ching Chung Kang Air Base. I'm very thrilled to be here on... Where are we? I was a little kid during the Second World War. And... Uh, and these really vivid memories of sitting by the radio and listening to Hope. Well, some night. Some night. Some park. Some park. Some moon. Some moon. Some bench. Some bench. Some grass. Some grass. Some dew. I don't. Uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't like finding out right away, you know what I mean? The soldiers and sailors that he was entertaining were a real part of the show. You heard these people who were starved for entertainment, starved for some feeling of normal life again. And you heard this tremendous outpouring of energy from them. Bob Hope, when, when he came to entertain the troops, it made us, and it probably made other troops feel the same way, made them uh, uh, forget for a little bit the killing and the dying that was taking place even though it was for just a short time what's the difference between you and an idiot well for one thing you don't have a mustache <laughs> such a thrill for me all these men whistling and screaming yeah yeah they've been in the jungle too long hey a little girl comb your hair fix your makeup soon he will open the door. He was not interested in uh, in anything but pleasing those people. When you went out on the stage, the acceptance was beyond a a great audience, you know, that was going to give you a standing ovation before you even opened your mouth. Say, Bob, am I standing in the right place? Don't worry, honey. If you're not, they'll move the base. I don't know what I'm doing here, Bob. I can't sing and I can't dance. Oh, just stand there. They'll do the singing and dancing. Don't worry. He kept the morale up. That was what his job was, to keep that morale up for everybody. I'll give you eight bars to make your fame and fortune. Otherwise, it's back to the swamp. Go. I met Mr. Hope, and he wanted me to try a few bars of White Christmas. I'm dreaming. Of a Christmas. He kind of stunned me with his reaction because he said, You know, Crosby's got kids everywhere. I don't know what you guys did to get here, but let that be a lesson to you. He brought a little bit of home 10,000 miles away, and especially at Christmas time. Is uh, Specialist Fourth Brian? H. O'Connell here. Where is he? Would you come up, please? I went over to Vietnam approximately in June or July of 65. My wife was about six months pregnant. Just before we got on the plane, his wife brought this over to us. And here's a picture of twins, his twins that he's never seen. I had no idea what they looked like. I just knew that uh, they were twin boys. And I just want you to take a peek at these little kids as the first time he's ever seen them. Those... My dad didn't like to talk about Vietnam much from his personal experiences. But one thing dad did talk about from the war was the receiving the picture on stage with Bob Hope. Congratulations. When Bob gave me the, the brag book, I was proud, really proud of him, you know, and I thought it was great. I appreciated it very much. You know, it was a great feeling. Big bang, I saw the whole gang. Dancing on my living room rug. Yeah, flip flop, they were doing the bop. All the teens had to dance in fun. There was Lollipop with a Peggy Sue. Good to golly, Miss Molly was a even.
That's a geisha from Texas. Front row. I mean, the whole front section was always the guys that had like a plasma drip going in, and they would be in bed. You, you knew that, that, that this was serious business, and, and to hear them laugh. You remember me, Rosemary's baby? Oh, my faithful old nurse. Yeah. You know, this isn't such a bad part. What the hell is all that firing over there? General, will you call off this stuff, this war, while we're on, please? He would walk into a hospital, and only he could do this. I mean, and he, he would lead the, the gang. It was five women and myself and Peter Leeds and Les Brown and we all, big troop. And he'd walk in there. His opening remark was, don't get up, fellas. You were seeing kids that had their arms and legs removed. You were seeing guys that had the whole front of their bodies sewn up with great big staples this thick. I broke down and cried. I, I, and he took me aside and gave me a lecture. This isn't why we're here. They want lightness. They want a joke. They want you to pretend that nothing is wrong. Mini skirts are bigger than ever. Even some of the fellas are wearing them. Don't laugh. If you'd have thought of it, you wouldn't be here. I think one of the most emotional shows I ever played was when I played for the 1st Marine Division in Pavuvu down in the South Pacific because uh, we were playing an island called Banika and this fellow flew over and said, could you possibly do an extra show for the 1st Marine Division? They've never had a show and they would really love to see you and they're going to invade Peleliu. And so we flew over the next morning and you knew when you walked out there that you're playing for 15,000 kids that a lot of those guys you never see again. And as it worked out, 60% of those kids were knocked off in this invasion of Peleliu. At the end of the show, we would traditionally sing uh, Silent Night. It's a holiday season. You're away from home, a long way away from home. And they begin singing Silent Night, and the entire audience chimes in. And by the time you're singing the last refrain, most men, and we were men then, had tears rolling down their eyes. And all you could hear were people crying. They wanted a dry eye in the, in the place. It was beautiful, and it was happy, and it was... Very sad at the same time. There's this entire audience of mostly men just in tears, and of course, we were all in tears. And I will never forget that moment. Every every single show. Have a merry Christmas and God bless you. Bye. joyous and you know we laughed till we cried there were these guys going to go maybe so a number of them were going to go die we're all laughing together that's a real service in a lot of ways that's probably the last performance any of those guys saw in that regard that speaks volumes about the man bob hope is one of a kind he's a saint and if he isn't he should be god bless bob hope Well, these USO shows meant a great deal to a lot of deployed military folks. And here are some comments from some of the vets who witnessed them firsthand. Bob Hope's show came to our base uh, in 69 when Connie Stevens was there. Those, those people that did that were remarkable. I don't think any of them got paid. And they lived under pretty bad circumstances over there to come train the troops. And it was dangerous for them, too makes you feel like somebody cares you know plus you don't get to see those kind of shows we had uh, armed forces tv available to us but most of the guys and gals over there did not and um, bob hope wasn't the only one i know the uh, 
Kingston Trio came over there one time and did shows all over the country, and the, and the Miss America Court came over and did shows. So it was quite an effort to do that, and it was, uh, it was a break, and it was nice. I think uh, one of the most interesting things that I recall is that Bob Hope uh, came out, and he was on the Kitty Hawk, one of the carriers that we were serving, and we took lotteries, and they flew those who won the lottery over to the aircraft carrier to watch the Christmas show with Bob Hope. Uh, those that didn't go, we celebrated Christmas on board the ship. We even had a Christmas tree. I have no idea where it came from. Uh, and we all got care packages from home. I didn't get to go, didn't get to go, but I've got photographs. I sent my camera over with some of the guys, and they uh, still have them today in my scrapbook. Bob Hope came to town one time, and I got to hitchhike to see him. I got permission from somebody. And when I went to the aircraft, uh, the uh, airstrip, um, I'm standing on the airstrip waiting for the plane to come in, and a guy called for me from behind and said, Hey, Carl. And I turned around, and it was the manager from our wrestling team, of all things. So a guy from my high school found me from the back, and we rode off to see Bob Hope. And uh, there are no tickets to Bob Hope, but I was so thrilled to see that they had all of the wounded in the front. And then out came Connie Stevens, who's now become my favorite uh, entertainer. And then I got the gold diggers from Dean Martin, which I'd seen the whole time when I was growing up. So that's the best experience you can have. He went through several wars and he never complained and he was always exhausted when he got done. And he can crack a joke about anybody and get away with it. Every state or county in the U.S. has or is served by a Veterans Service Agency. Mark Cazapoli is director of the Ulster County Veterans Service Office in Kingston. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Vets, Mark, or should I call you Chief Master Sergeant? No, Mark is fine, thank you. Okay. Welcome and thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Vets. Uh, you're the director of the Ulster County Veterans Service Agency. How long have you had that post? I've had that post actually one year as of today. Oh, well, congratulations. Uh, I retired from stewarding as a guard base in November of last year, and okay. I transitioned to this position just a month later. Okay, I'm a fellow airman. Good to speak with you. Excellent. So what's your, what's your overall mission at the Veterans Service Agency in Ulster County? It's very simple. Our, our overall mission is take care of the veterans and their families. We take it serious, just like in the battlefield, when you can't leave any soldier or airman or sailor or marine behind. That's how we look at it here in Ulster County. Uh, we can't leave any veterans behind. Whenever they have a need or whatever their families may need, we try to do our best to uh, connect them with those resources and take care of them. So it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that every county in New York has a veteran service agency. Yes. Yes, some are larger than others, but every county does have one. What's your area that, that you guys are responsible for? Well, in Ulster County, uh, and we have roughly 11,000 veterans uh, you know, spread out throughout the county. The towns of what, uh, Kingston certainly... Yeah, so Kingston, Saugerties, New Paltz, all the way to like Shandaken, down to uh, Warsing. You know, we, we have a, a wide uh, spread of towns that we help out. I mean, Ulster County is pretty large, but the population isn't as great as other islands or Dutchess. Right, it's pretty rural. It's a lot of real estate, but not that many people, I guess. So if you could take a minute and review your mission and and the individual services that you guys provide to veterans of Ulster County and your service area. Okay. Well, my office, uh, we have four VSOs, which are veteran service officers that are in place to help uh, with everything from as simple as benefits uh, with the VA. So if a veteran needed help with veterans' benefits from either the VA or the state benefits, uh, they're trained and accredited to do that and to walk the veterans through. Um, so that's the simple aspect. Uh, as a veteran gets out, if they need help, we can help them 
with their benefit packages. But uh, more importantly, as they start falling into crisis or in need of help and resources, that's where we are an intermediary. Uh, as veterans present themselves either as homeless or in crisis, we can we react very quickly and we are able to connect them to uh, either local resources or state resources to have them taken care of. Uh, we, we make sure that no veteran is ever left uh, you know, without a roof over their head. Uh, they show up at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Uh, we, we have the connections and we have the resources to get them at least housed for the weekend until we can figure out a better uh, solution for them going forward. In Ulster County, we have one uh, transition home that we run. It's a uh, called the Patriot House Project. We have eight rooms in there. It's uh, managed by Soldier On. And uh, as we have veterans that we can get you know, authorized and placed in there to transition them from being homeless, and then they work with caseworkers and they, they seek out job opportunities, uh, you know, permanent living uh, places, and uh, just a, a good way for them to get back on their feet. And some of the other services we offer, we have a pretty large transportation program. Uh, so where we take veterans that are unable to do so themselves up to the Albany Stratton VA and also down to the Castle Point uh, VA hospitals uh, to, to get their appointments. And we run that those shuttles daily. And we also take veterans to local um, dialysis-type appointments or any emergency care type appointment. So if they can't get themselves there, they can call us and schedule and we can we can help get them to you know these important appointments for them. So it's a pretty big transportation program that we have. We also have the New Paltz Rural Cemetery that's considered the Ulster County Veterans Cemetery as well, where uh, we are able to bury veterans and their spouses for free any Ulster County veteran. And we're currently working on an expansion project uh, in that, you know, in that cemetery where right now we have about 330 plots in the veteran section, but it's going to be expanding to over 3,000 plots uh, in the coming years. So this way we can make sure veterans have a place, uh, you know, to rest. And it's going to be, you know, uh, going to be very, uh, very nice, uh, great landscaping. We're going to make it a, a deserving place, and, you know, worthy of veterans to rest in. So those those are your I would call those your your core capabilities, your core mission. Yeah. So about how many about how many vets? What do you what would you say that your caseload is at any given time between uh, yourself and four VSOs? Yeah. So. Between us, uh, at, at any given time, you know, phones never stop ringing there. That's one thing. And, uh, it, you know, it, it it changes on a daily basis. But I would say we're working with at least five to ten vets each on a daily basis uh, for their claim work or casework. And then our transportation program usually runs about 15 to 20 people daily. And then, uh, you know, everything else that we work on, it's in volume. We're just getting the word out, communication, uh, sending out any of the resources that are required or needed to all the other veterans organizations to be shared across our veterans uh, enterprise. So just to make sure that people are in the know of what's out there. Is there any one particular problem, in your opinion, that's the most urgent problem facing vets in your coverage area at this time of year? Yes, the, the, the most urgent, and it hasn't gone away for a long time, is the veteran suicide. And what we're finding is the best way to combat that is peer-to-peer -peer interaction. And um, Ulster County was awarded the PFC Dwyer Grant for 2020. But unfortunately, we have not received those funds yet from the state. So we're still waiting on those funds to come. And, uh, you know, we, so we can get that program fully operational. We're very lucky that we have the Hudson Valley Center for Veterans Reintegration here in Ulster County, and they are taking up the mantle of our vet-to-vet -vet program. But without that funding, they can't 
you know, perform their core services. And uh, if you would ask me what the you know, most critical piece right now is, it's really to keep the, the veterans engaged. And we find that peer-to-peer is the best way to do that because no veteran knows what it's like to be other than another veteran. So from having done this show for um, about two and a half years now, I know that many veterans are not interested in help. And uh, so how do you try to interact with those that you know you're in the area that are need, needing help or somebody called up and said, hey, you know, so-and-so is down there, uh, looks like he's homeless or he's in trouble, could you reach out? So what, what is your strategy to uh, approach folks who have not really asked for help but obviously need it? Yeah, no. So, you know, veterans are very tricky uh, a lot of times. So we, we look at each one individually, but we, we assess it and see what is our best approach. A lot of times it's just direct approach, uh, but it's who we send. It's, you know, especially if it's an Army guy, we want to make sure we send an Army guy. Uh, if it's an Air Force, you know, maybe I can go and speak Air Force with them. Uh, it's just we want to make sure we can connect with them first and then encourage them to get the help that they need. Uh, we find that that works out pretty well. Uh, just getting there, telling them what we're there to do. We're not there to to do anything negative for them. We want to just make sure they're in a safe place. Uh, nobody needs to know anything. Let us help you, though. Right. There's a lot of agencies, um, not-for-profits in the area, both public and private, providing services to vets and, and to other folks. And I, I'm assuming that you get referrals from these folks or that you refer them to these other agencies when it's maybe outside of your realm or beyond your capabilities. And how do you stay in touch with these other agencies? Is there a networking function or a meeting? And how do you follow up to make sure that once you refer, to, there's a there's a warm handoff? That's a great question. So one of the first things that I tried to establish when um, – when I took over last year, uh, I found that Ulster County did not have a veterans task force similar to what Orange County has. You know, working with Stewart for as long as I did, I knew about the uh, Hudson Valley Veterans Task Force. And uh, in Ulster, I wanted to create the same thing. So I have a, a wide network of organizations and individuals that I have uh, built this Ulster County Coalition. We were able to have one meeting in person, and then the corona, you know, COVID-19 hit, and it kind of threw everything sideways. I've yet to have another in-person meeting, and I don't want to do it over Zoom because there was about 150 different people on that email list. So what I've been doing is just emailing all of the information out constantly and then also emailing out issues, this is what we need help with. This is where you, you know, your your energy can go. This is who's looking for assistance, and I find that it's working out very well. Uh, it's keeping everybody involved. It's keeping everybody informed, and uh, we're, you know we've made a lot of steps of bringing the network closer together. And I can't wait to get us all back, uh, you know, sitting in the same area again, talking about best ways we can help our our local veterans. I am a member of the uh, Hudson Valley Veterans Task Force. One of the biggest problems that I sense and, and keep hearing repeatedly is that, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, but nobody necessarily knows where to get it. Yeah. And I um, approached State Senator Metzger with the idea that the state could possibly set up a web-based directory Say I live in yeah. Ulster County. I, I'm i a caregiver or I'm a vet. Where can I go to get this is what I need? Where do I go, you know? Yeah, no, so that's actually one of my other initiatives that I, I am working on right now is having uh, a link off of our Ulster County veterans page that will have all things veterans, whether it be job postings that are looking specifically for veterans, benefits that are out there, Simple things like do your uh, these are the deals for Veterans Day weekend, as opposed to this is where you need to go if you need housing assistance. You know, I'm going to try to make sure that that web page has everything on there, uh, all things veteran. But we that's exactly how I look at us. We 
are the conduit for the information. I found that there are a lot of veterans that needed help in Ulster County and didn't know where to go, and that there were a lot of organizations that wanted to provide help and assistance and didn't know how to do it. So that's why I started that coalition, and so far it's worked pretty well. When I put word out there, a veteran is in need, we get the response that we're looking for, and they're usually taken care of. And I, I, I believe you're on my list. I'm not sure. Do you receive emails from me? Yes, I do. Thank you. All right. Yep. So that's a lot of the, the information I send out. I also get uh, copied on uh, from Larry Newman when you get him involved and such. So I'm got a lot of stuff coming in, and that's good because um, I'm going to do a shout-out Wednesday night to the uh, the folks up to the distributed, I think it was over 800 Thanksgiving meals. Meals. That's our Saugerties, uh, Legion and VFWs. They do a wonderful job. Saugerties, out of the town, they're highly involved in veterans' uh, organizations and veteran issues. So, Mark, um, what are your closing thoughts for area veterans and caregivers? It could be advice or just uh, a shout-out. What is it you'd like to say? Yeah, we just uh, just let us know when you, whatever you need. Contact us. That's what we're there for. We've seen it all. We've seen everything that a veteran can possibly go through, and we've been able to help countless numbers of veterans. Let us help you. Uh, you served. You've done so much for your country. Let your country do some something for you. Nobody's judging you. We are your peers, and we understand what you're going through. Uh, three out of the four VSOs, you know, including myself, are combat veterans. Uh, my deputy, you know, he's an airborne army veteran. Uh, and then uh, my fellow airman, who's also a combat veteran, and I deployed on four different occasions. Uh, you know, into combat zones. So we have you covered. We will help you any way we can, and we will take care of you as best uh, as we're able to. Okay, Mark, uh, before we close, last thing I'm going to ask you is your contact information. Absolutely. So our office number is 845-340-3190. We are located in Kingston, New York, uh, right off of Ulster Avenue. It's called Five Development Court in Kingston, 12401. Again, the phone number is 845-340-3190, and we're located in Kingston. How about your website email? Okay, my direct email would be uh, M-C-O-Z, so Mark Coz. So M-C-O-Z at C-O, which would be for county, dot Ulster, U-L-S-T-E-R, dot N-Y for New York, dot U-S for United States. And then our website is, you would just go to the Ulster County government website, and then you can connect to the veterans off of that. And then, as I stated, I'm going to in the process of building an additional uh, link onto our page that would have a lot of the uh, you know, exterior information that's not in interior to what Ulster County can provide uh, from the government side. Do you, do you have a presence on Facebook? We do not. Uh, our county actually we run everything through the Ulster County government site on uh, Facebook. So you'll see us get posts on there uh, frequently. We do have a veteran of the month that is showcased, you know, on that site monthly. And then anytime uh, we're doing things or we want to get the word out, we push it out through the Ulster County government uh, page on Facebook. If somebody wants to help, I mean, how can they help? Can uh, folks contribute? Yes. So uh, we, we are always willing to have folks contribute, whether it be their time or even monetarily have a Veterans Emergency Fund that's run for um, Ulster County by the, so the Woodstock Post. And uh, if they were to send us the checks, we make sure that they get in the hands of the Woodstock Post. And that emergency fund is utilized uh, where we can recommend to the uh, post commander there that we have this veteran who is in dire need and you know needs groceries or needs something right now. And then we can get a check 
or money, you know, immediately into their hands. So if uh, people did want to contribute monetarily, they could send to Five Development Court, uh, Kingston, New York, 12401, and the check could be written out to the Veterans Emergency Fund. Well, Mark, it's been a very informative 10 or 15 minutes, and I thank you for your time. Mark Cosapoli, uh, Director of the Ulster County Veterans Service Agency. They're located at 5 Development Court, Kingston, New York. And um, thank you for your service, Mark. No, I appreciate the, the opportunity to get the word out about us. Uh, thank you for everything you do, Doug. We wish to acknowledge the following people and organizations that have made this show possible. Don Shaw, Director of the VA Hudson Valley Healthcare System. Danny Rongo, A Soldier's Night Before Christmas. And Mark Consapoli, Director, Ulster County Veterans Service Agency. And, of course, to you for joining us once again on Let's Talk Vets. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so that we may get them on the air, both in our normal public service announcement segments and this program. You can email me at vets at wjffradio.org. You can leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. Until our next formation, I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed. We'll leave you tonight with a very special piece we play every year at this time, A Soldier's Night Before Christmas, written by Lance Corporal James M. Schmidt. Good night, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Blessed New Year. It was the night before Christmas. He lived all alone in a one-bedroom house made of plaster and stone. I had come down the chimney with presents to give and to see just who in this dwelling did live. I looked all around, a strange sight to see. No tinsel, no presents, not even a tree. No stockings on the mantel, just boots filled with sand. On the wall hung pictures of far distant lands. Medals and badges, awards of every kind. A sobering thought came alive in my mind. This house was different. It was dark, it was dreary. I had found the home of a soldier. I could see that most clearly. The soldier lay sleeping, silent, alone, curled up on the floor in this one-bedroom home. His face was so gentle, the room in such disorder, not at all how I pictured a United States soldier. Was this the hero of whom I'd just read, curled up on a poncho, the floor for a bed? Then I realized the other families that I saw this night owed their lives to soldiers who were willing to fight. In the morning round the world, children would play. Grown-ups would celebrate a bright Christmas day. But they all enjoy freedom each month of the year because of soldiers like the one lying here. I couldn't help but wonder how many lay alone on a cold Christmas Eve in lands far from home. The very thought put a tear to my eye. I dropped to my knees and I started to cry. The soldier awakened. I heard his rough voice. Santa, don't cry. This life is my choice. I fight for freedom. I don't ask for more. My life is my God, my country, my core. The soldier rolled over and drifted to sleep. But I couldn't control it and I continued to weep. I kept watch for hours. 
so silent and still as both of us shivered from the cold night's chill. I didn't want to leave him on that cold, dark night, this guardian of honor so willing to fight. Then the soldier rolled over with a voice soft and pure. He whispered, Carry on, Santa. It's Christmas Day. All secure. One look at my watch, I knew he was 